Let's do it. Awesome. Good. Hello to everybody uh, listening in. This is the Do Jiu-Jitsu podcast where we talk to great individuals from all sorts of backgrounds that have one thing in common. They do jiu-jitsu. My name is Jay and I'm your host. And today, podcast number five, we have Coach Tony. He is the founder and owner of Labyrinth BJJ in Fullshear, Texas. He coaches and trains kids and adults to become their best selves through jiu-jitsu. And today, we have the pleasure of having him here. So we're about to have a fun podcast. Thanks for coming in, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Awesome. So, Coach, tell us about your Brazilian jiu-jitsu story. Where, how, how did it all start? Uh, so, basically, I was born and raised in Fairbanks, Alaska, originally. Uh, we didn't have any jiu-jitsu there when I was growing up. So, kind of to go all the way to the beginning, I was a huge fan of pro wrestling. Like uh-huh. WWE, WF, like, you know, in the golden days, uh, WCW actually is what it was, you know, Sting, NWO, all those guys, Undertaker, Kane, uh-huh. yeah, um, you know, all those guys. <laughs> so I had two older brothers growing up. And so we would always put each other in like the submission holds, uh, all the different, you know, figure four leg lock, the Boston Crab, mm. all that stuff. And so I loved grappling from an early age. Obviously, all that stuff is fake, but mm. still idea of like wrestling somebody and putting them in like a grappling hold that was always like really fun for us to do um and this i didn't even know about brazilian jiu-jitsu i didn't know it was the thing back then it was just like Mm. we're doing wrestling like on the beds like slamming each other and stuff and then shortly after that uh i got introduced to the ufc um i think it was like like blockbuster video i think we rented like it must have been like the Uh or it might maybe it was dvd i'm not sure but it was the early ufc fights and then that's where I was introduced to Hoist Gracie, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in general. And then it was weird because obviously it looks way different than WWE. I was used to seeing grappling under like the pro wrestling sense. So then when you see actually what grappling looks like, you're like, what the mm. heck? Um, but then you saw how effective it was. Like Hoist Gracie, he wasn't the most intimidating looking guy. Mm. He was like giants, you know, these really giant guys. And that was like really inspiring to me because I was always the younger brother, like getting picked on, getting beat up. Uh-huh. Um, so if I could like figure out a way, you know, to like, uh, like beat these bigger guys, like that was kind of in my head. And so seeing Royce Gracie do that, I then became like a fan of the UFC. I became a big fan of Fedor Milenenko, like seeing him do the arm bar. I'm like Bob Sapp. Like I saw all these examples of like smaller guys, like beating big guys with grappling and like mm. some crazy submission hold. And, uh, that was like really interesting to me. So I became interested in jujitsu like pretty early. I was probably like 12, but there was mm. no jiu-jitsu in Fairbanks. Uh, yeah. There was like schools. Eventually an MMA school opened up a little while later, but um, that's when I first became interested. I didn't end up starting to train jujitsu though until I was about 20 years old. So mm. I moved away from Alaska. I moved to California for a little while. Um, I thought about training there, but I was only in California for a year and I moved back to Alaska. Then I finally moved to Iowa when I was 18. Um, it took me like two years, pretty much, or maybe a year and a half to like build the courage to actually show up to the whole time uh-huh. I wanted to get to, but like, I was like afraid to show up to the first gym, like afraid, you know, what I, you know how it is, like yeah. how intimidating. Um, so I was like really intimidated at first. Um, finally I, I built up the strength, uh, to show up. And then ever since I showed up, it, that, like kind of the rest is history, to be honest. Um, I just started training like pretty much every day. Um, I started at a, a Hibero affiliate, so the, under this guy named Jason Clark. Um, mm. He's a black belt under Salo Hibero. Back then, he was a purple belt. Um, 
there weren't very many black belts or brown belts in Iowa back then. Like you never saw them. You know, mm. I think there was, I don't know if there was a single black belt back then in Iowa. Eventually there was maybe a couple years later, but you know, it was like very rare. There weren't very many upper belts back then. I so see. I started Clark. We started in like a CrossFit gym. We shared the mat space uh-huh. um, with them. And I slowly, that school built up until he got his own place. Um, eventually I got my blue belt under him and I ended up leaving. Uh, I switched gyms to a more competitive gym because I got really into competition aspect of jiu-jitsu. And the Hibero gym that I was at, like they were very like, they focused on competition for sure. Uh, but they had a lot of like self-defense, like uh, like a lot of self-defense style classes that just uh-huh. like wasn't helping me with my goals. You know, it's like I had already learned that stuff. And I was like really trying to get deep into like, the real competition aspect of jiu-jitsu. So mm. I ended up schools to the University of Iowa Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Club. That's where I met John Guetta. Mm. Uh, and then was my coach for a while. Um, he's uh, now a black belt under Mark Vives, uh, which is part of the Tag Team Association uh, with uh-huh. Jared Weiner. Um, so yeah, I started training under John and John has like amazing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like, like he's extremely, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, not the most flexible, not the strongest guy, but his Jiu-Jitsu is insane. Like mm. he would beat everybody. Like his Jiu-Jitsu was like magic. Um, you, you won the Chicago Open many, many times. He was like kind of like dominating the Midwest scene competition wise. And you wouldn't expect it like looking mm. at him. Not the most <laughs> yeah. intimidating looking guy. Uh-huh. And so, like really really inspiring like to my jiu-jitsu he taught me both my first instructor taught me a lot obviously jason taught me a ton john really took my game to the next level as far as like competition goes and competition strategy like learning the different um you know the meta game of jiu-jitsu right uh-huh. yeah um so that's where i met john thankfully john gave me like a really big opportunity to take over the brazilian jiu-jitsu club so what happened was, is John had his own school in a neighboring city. He ended up having to move there to go take care of his school full time. And um, that's where Matt, so it gets convoluted. There's kind of a lot that's going on here. Yeah. That's where I named Matt, Matt Layton, who's my current coach. He moved from Chicago to come train with John because John was like a beast. Matt was like an up and coming competing nonstop. Matt was a brown belt when he moved over. So Matt won like brown belt worlds. He won the Chicago open a ton of times. He was like winning like a bunch of stuff um, at brown belt. Um, Then he got promoted to his black belt and then Matt opened up his own school, Citadel BJJ. So then Mm. I was, thankfully I got left with the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu club. So then I was the head instructor of the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu club. I also was the head instructor of, uh, the University of Iowa has a credit class where students can get a school credit for taking Brazilian mm. Jiu-Jitsu. So thankfully I was able to do oh. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu full-time, uh, like when I was a purple belt. Uh, I was able to teach full-time uh, at both Citadel and then lead the club. And then John branched off. He went to Cedar Rapids to go uh, open up his school. And then Matt opened up his school, Citadel BJJ. And then I was teaching morning classes for Matt while running the Ju- Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu club and the class. So, uh, yeah, pretty much I dedicated everything to jiu-jitsu. Like, when I started, I uh, all my jobs were based around being able to train more. So, it's like mm. I got a job with dogs. I got a job in, like, telemarketing. Mm. Like, anything that I could own hours and then be able to train as much as possible and compete as much as possible. So, for me, it was, like, all in. Like, I knew I was going to do jiu-jitsu. I knew that I had to open up a school. My goal was to open up a school by the time I was 30. And I'm 30 mm. years old now. And I- 
the open, so I'm like really happy I accomplished that. My goal is also to get my black belt before 30, but I'm about uh-huh. to be 31 in November, so I gotta like uh, do something fast here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been training about 10 years now, so about uh, yeah, about 10 years been training pretty much nonstop gi, no gi. Um, I've traveled all over the U.S. as far as like competing. Um, I've, thankfully, I've gotten to train with a lot of really, really good guys. Uh, the room back in the University of Iowa was like a very high level room. There's a lot of really young guys, uh, really, really competitive. Um, big classes too. Sometimes we'd have like 60 to 80 people on the mats, just like everyone. In the university? Really- yeah. So, um, yeah, it was good, man. Uh, it's 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 been a journey for sure. There's been a lot, obviously a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of heartbreaks, uh, mm-hmm. and then a lot of victories as well. Um, but mm. I'm super cool to be where I'm at now. Um, yeah. I learned a ton coming up through that. And then obviously being in Iowa, we have a lot of really high level wrestling. So I got to learn a lot of wrestling. I got to mm. go to a lot of the guys, see the work ethic, see like really what it takes to become like a high level grappler, you know? So long story short, I know I gave a long winded answer, but that's kind of like my, that's like my jujitsu journey kind of summarized. Um, yeah. My big break happened with cryptocurrency. So uh-huh. for me, um, obviously jujitsu doesn't make a lot of money. Like uh-huh. if you don't, jujitsu does not make a lot of money, especially as you're coming up. If you don't have your own school, it's like, good mm-hmm. luck. All these guys that are doing jujitsu full time, like they have to do, you know, you have to have all these side hustles. You got to be real clever with how you mm-hmm. do things. Mm-hmm. So I started mining Ethereum. Um, I've been into cryptocurrency for a long, for a while now, but I started mining Ethereum like a few years ago. Um, and thankfully that like completely changed my life as far as like my income goes. I was able I to see. get money to open up the school. Cause I came from, I came up from nothing pretty much. Like my parents did not have money. I don't come from any money at all. We were very like, uh, we were poor growing up, honestly. Like we did not have a lot. I moved out when I was 18 years old. Um, I don't have a college degree or anything like that. So like, I've really had to hustle hard and like really like find my way in this life. Um, so mm-hmm. thankfully Jitsu is like, has kind of like guided me on that path. Uh, thank God. So mm. what happened? I, I was mining Ethereum. Ethereum blew up. Uh, uh-huh. You know, price went up really, really high. I was able to make like enough money to open up this school. So mm. I took all, all my life savings. We moved to Texas from Iowa. And then I opened up the school with my girlfriend. And yeah. uh, that was uh, about a year ago. And then the school has been open for about eight months now. So here we are. Wow, man, that's so exciting! That's so exciting. It seems like you've lived such a uh, such a uh, like full, exciting life uh, revolving around jujitsu and things that you have never expected to happen. Uh, just in the last, like, yeah, just in the last couple of years. Yeah, man, it's been really crazy. I'm super thankful. Like, I honestly, I feel like an old man sometimes. Like, people are like, <laughs> oh, you're so you're so young opening this business, but like, I've lived a lot. Like, I've done a lot of things. You know, mm. I've had a lot of different jobs. I've lived in a a lot of different places, moved around. I've been by myself, no support of my parents, no, no like safety net, you know? So I've just kind of, kind of always been like out of my own, just like pushing, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And thankfully it's off. Like I've made the right decisions. Um, and I was able to kind of get where I'm at now. And I'm like really, really proud of where I've gotten and where we're at right now. And it's just continuing to push, you know, never really satisfied, like always trying to reach to that next level. So yeah, so it's all. Man, uh, was it um, was it John? You said was the one that helped you um, really build your game to the next level. Yeah, John and Matt, especially. Obviously, Matt yeah. too. I mean, extremely high level. He has a very like tricky, 
intricate game. Like if you know much about jujitsu, uh, you do, but I mean, for people who don't, it's like, he's very, like, he had a very new school style, like very mm. last of a spider guard, worm guard, a lot of inverting, a lot of like very tricky jujitsu. And he was able to make it work. Um, so he really changed my game too. And he pushed me like, uh, I mean, honestly, everybody there was, had their own specialties, but between John and Matt, those two guys like really brought my love, my jujitsu to the next level, mm. I'd say. What do you think it was? Uh, was it their coaching style? What do you think really elevated your, um, your jujitsu uh, with them? You know, I've, a lot of it, I feel like it's one, just sharing the room with them, getting to roll with them every single day, seeing how mm -hmm. they train, seeing how they like approach competition, seeing like uh, the level of intensity that they need to use to like win. One thing like when you see guys who are really good at jujitsu, a lot of times they, it doesn't look like they're trying very much and mm -hmm. they're winning. So it's mm -hmm. like, I'd see on Matt roll, it's like literally the toughest, the hardest guys in the room. And it's like, they make it look easy. It's like a cat, you know, playing with the ball. Mm. And like they're just chilling, tapping the guy over and over and over again. And then it's like that whole invisible, like what separates, like, how are they able to do that? You know what I mean? And then nobody else is. So I'd say it was like seeing how they train for one. And then honestly, the advice, they would just give me a lot of really good advice and give me direction on what to work on. Like, Hey, I noticed this, like, for example, John, uh, he really improved my 50-50 guard. Like mm. he saw moments where I could recover my guard into 50-50 and I wasn't taking that opportunity. And him just telling me that like made me work on that. Like, okay, try to recover to 50-50, try to sweep from there. Like little things like that. So they were able to kind of like guide me and they really studied my game too. They knew my style really well and they mm. kind of pushed me in the right direction. And then obviously at a certain point for jujitsu, it's a lot of self-exploration as well. Yeah, but it's not just the coach. You have to explore your own and evolve your own jujitsu because everyone gets their own style at a certain point and everyone does things a little bit differently. So you have to like adapt jujitsu for your body type, your flexibility, your strength level, mm. like then build your own game. Yeah, but it sounds it sounds like uh, what I interviewed a uh, professor uh, cafe. He's like a fifth degree uh, black belt um, in Gracie Baja and he talked about jujitsu uh, and he described it as an infinite martial art. Yeah. Hi, hundred percent. Yep. hundred percent agree. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's like every time you think, you know, a lot of jujitsu, but you think you've seen it all. Somebody mm. comes up with something new or something tricky that you hadn't really considered before, or, mm. you know, it's, it's really, really interesting. Just like recently, like the whole buggy choke phenomenon. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's been around for a little while now, but it's like, it exploded. Everyone's doing buggy chokes. They're finding them from every position now. Like all these tricky, weird buggy choke setups from all these different spots. And it's like people weren't looking for that like for a while. And it's like it, the game just continues to evolve. That's why, too, as an upper belt, you have to always stay on like the cutting edge. Like you have to always be studying like what's going on. What's the new meta game? Like what are people doing? Like what's the new moves? Otherwise, you can get left behind kind of. Mm -hmm. So what have these guys coming up they'll ask you about stuff and if you don't have the knowledge you can't really show them and then you'll get you'll even get like these blue belts coming up that only study the very newest meta and if you're not up to date on that you know you could like get embarrassed if you don't know what to do mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. but really like when it comes to jiu-jitsu you got to really stay current like with what's going on um that's how i feel at least not everybody feels the same yeah it's like it's the grower, um, grower die mentality, right? You can't, you gotta keep uh, evolving. Um, yep. 
it sounds like um, I also uh, interviewed a, a professor's name is uh, Doyle, and uh, we were talking about how it evolves like uh, nature, like it optimizes for the whole, um, and it's, it optimizes for what's best for the community and how it can uh, become uh, more efficient. Yeah, man, that's such a, those are such interesting points that you gave. Yeah, man, it's really, yeah, I, it's, I love jujitsu, man. It's crazy. It, it really does. Like it shows you how much you don't know, like, especially as you get better at jujitsu. Like I know a lot of jujitsu, like I know a lot, but there's still a lot of jujitsu. I don't know that well either. Mm, mm -hmm. You can constantly keep evolving. You can constantly keep studying new positions, keep studying new entries, uh, like new ideas that people are coming up with, come up with your own ideas that are specific to you and your game. So it's uh, it's really amazing in that sense, uh, kind of yeah. like once you get to that point. So Yeah, I see, I see. So you mentioned that um, it took you a little while to really uh, bring up the courage to uh, start jujitsu. Uh, what was the catalyst to that? And what did it feel like to start something new? Well, so the catalyst for me to start was honestly, honestly, I was just tired of feeling weak. You know how it is. You're a young man. You go through life. You don't feel strong. Like you feel weak. You feel like you're not capable. And it's like you want to be able to handle yourself if something ever did happen. Right. You don't like I feel like a lot of people, they kind of walk through life like kind of scared or intimidated. Mm -hmm especially by other men, bigger men who are stronger or more successful, whatever it might better looking, whatever it might be. Um, and I feel like for me, it's like, I was tired of feeling that way. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Not it completely cures you of feeling that way, but it certainly helps a lot. It can give you enough self-confidence to where you can actually like uh, be the best man that you can be through this life. Like be who you want to be, right? Like don't be scared to like the things that you like, not be scared to stand up for yourself, stand up for somebody else. Because if you don't know, like if you're not strong or you don't or if you don't have like a skill set like that, it can be difficult to stand up for yourself. Right. Or it can be difficult to like walk through this life with it with confidence, like real confidence, not just arrogance or not just like this fake confidence. You know, mm -hmm. for me, it's like one, I felt very like when I was young, I felt like very lost uh, in life. Like I kind of didn't know what I was doing, what direction I was going in, like mm -hmm. how to world how to make money how to be successful how to do all, all these things right and um uh i always thought uh, i think jujitsu would help um and for me for me to get up like finally i just built up the courage to go and do it you know eventually you just have to talk yourself into it and mm -hmm. just go and do it go do the damn thing right um so yeah i was super intimidated at first i was scared um but then once i stepped on the mats it was all fine like uh, -huh. uh the the coach was super welcoming. Everybody there was super nice. Um, it wasn't anything that I, like I expected it to be. Um, the worst part honestly was just like learning how to do the warmups and stuff, like learning uh -huh. how to like an inverted role for your first time, like feeling silly doing some of the basic movements. Um, but then after that, it was fine. Like once I got my foot in the door, I was able to meet the people, like I was able to relax. And then after that, finally I was, I had found something for me that like I could, um, that all of my progression was based on like, it has, doesn't have to do with luck. The thing that I like about jujitsu, it's everything is based off your hard work. So if you mm -hmm. put in the work, you're studying, you'll get the results versus a lot of other things in life, especially when I was growing up, like I, I had a lot of resentment towards like other people who had more opportunities than I would. Mm -hmm. The thing about jujitsu is it didn't matter 
like what opportunities you had. It's all based mm-hmm. on just how much work and how much study you put in. And that's where the results come from. It's like, it's a very fair thing, kind of. That being said, right. some people are athletically gifted to where it's not really fair, you know. But um, that being said, that's what I really liked about jujitsu is that my, I got to see my work and I got to see my progress. Um, and it's completely up to me. It's not up to somebody else to decide for me. You know, like when I was coming up in, in the workplace and working, it's always somebody else who decides how much money you make, somebody else who decides what position you get, you know, mm-hmm. kind of you do the work. But um, yeah, long-winded answer to that. That's, uh, that's kind of what happened. Sorry, what was the original question? Oh, um, of- yeah. What did it feel like to start something new? But that, um, that, uh, that uh, tangent you went through uh, was actually um, awesome because it's, you know, it seems that uh, on the mats, you're equal, right? Or like that's how that's how we can uh, view it. It really is based on the hard work that you uh, put in. That's what you'll uh, get out. The more the more times you roll, obviously, the more weight, the more times that you'll be able to fail. The more times you'll be able to discover yourself and iterate on uh, your game and the process and things like that. So yeah, um, with work, um, because you didn't do, you just started your um, jujitsu journey. Uh, your you just started doing jujitsu full time just last year, right? So no, actually, I was doing jujitsu full time, uh, probably maybe like four years ago. Four even. years ago. So yeah, before. Yeah. So I was doing jujitsu full time when I was in the University of Iowa. I was teaching the club class. I was teaching for Citadel, and I was teaching the credit I class. See. Between those three, thankfully, I was able to. Obviously, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was barely getting by, but I was able to make enough to do jujitsu full time at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I t- and then the year I was here for a year before I had opened up Labyrinth. Um, I was training with uh, uh, Professor James Markle out at Markle BJJ, uh, all those guys out there. Um, I was training with them for a little while, just staying sharp. I went and trained at the Hensel Gracie Open Mat in Sugarland. I went to a few mm-hmm. of those, um, staying sharp. During that year, I was doing crypto full time. So I was uh-huh. like trading these, trading Ethereum, uh, you know, buying and you know buying and selling different cryptos, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, and then the Jiu Jitsu gym, and then now. I don't really do any crypto stuff right now. I'm just all jujitsu. Wow, man. That is, uh, that's so interesting. So tell me about that moment when like in your life, when you were like, okay, I'm going to decide to dedicate myself to teach others, uh, Brazilian jujitsu full time. I'm going to invest my life savings into, uh, into my dream. Like tell, tell me about that moment, man. Uh, Oh, you know, leading up to it even. (laughs) Yeah. Just another moment for me because it's like I've been doing this already my whole life. It's like I just drop everything. Like for me, I'm always all in. So it's like I'm just I decide something and I'm like, all right, I'm going for it. And there's no turning. It's like for me, it's real like burn the like sail and then burn the boat. You know, there's no turning. There's no safety net. So it's like when I moved from Alaska to uh, Iowa, it was the same thing. No, just. I literally signed a lease before I had ever even saw the place, before I'd ever moved there and just moved into wherever the place that I'd signed. I had no idea what it was gonna be like. And I signed with a roommate who I'd never met before. I met mm-hmm. a guy and I roomed with him. Um, so for me, it was just like, this is what I had been working towards anyways. I could sit on like some of this money and then maybe try to invest it and do something else. But I had learned when I was doing crypto full time for a year, Okay, I had actually made more money and uh, I'd made more money in that year than I had ever made doing jujitsu the last like five mm-hmm. years, you know? And so it really put into pers- it put money into perspective for me. Yeah. But the thing is, is when I was doing that year of crypto, I was super unhappy, extremely stressed all the time. 
all I would wake up in the middle of the night and check the charts nonstop. Uh-huh. I was on edge. I'd always be thinking about how much money I was either losing or making. I would always be thinking about the next play. Okay, what's the next thing to buy? What's the next thing? How do I make money today? Uh, you know, like yeah. you get and you're like on Discord right away. You're, you're looking at all the different crypto uh, mm. and everything. You're trying to figure out, okay, what's a good thing to buy? How can I make some money today? It's like, while yes, you can make good money doing that, it's extremely unfulfilling. So mm. I had learned... I was like, not that I got, ri- I didn't get rich by any means, um, but I got more money than I had got had like any other time in my life because I grew up like really poor. So I finally had like a little bit of money, and then I realized like, oh, like if this is all it is, me sitting on a computer every day doing this for the next five years, just raising this number, mm. it's not what I want. Like really, it, like I remember I was thinking to myself like I missed when I was broke, and all uh-huh. I. I thought about was jujitsu. I didn't have to stress about anything else. Um, and so then it kind of came full circle. I'm like, okay, I just need to open up the gym and then just, just go for it. You know? So I took all my savings. Um, I found a realtor and then really honestly, yeah, I just pulled the trigger. I'm like, you know what? You only live once in this life, right? I mean, you're either going to accomplish your goals and take these opportunities or you're going to keep putting them. You know how it is. I'm sure with starting your business, mm-hmm. you know, you can putting something on hold forever, like until yeah. you like there are some people they're like oh i want to learn how to play the guitar right and you keep telling yourself that for 10 years 15 years and you never end up playing which when if you would have just started when you first said it you would have had 10 15 years experience and you'd be like <laughs> exactly but like with me i'm always telling myself like no just do it now like there is no tomorrow you can't just wait just do it do it do it do it come on let's go let's go move 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 um and so yeah that was me and two it's like i had a goal to start a gym before the age of 30 i have an opportunity to do it i'm gonna take my shot and do it and thankfully i did because i sold most of my crypto when it was high now Uh everything's super low and i'm like oh thank you know like thank god i didn't like hold on to everything yeah so um yeah man it was a crazy so like pulling the trigger, like doing, opening up the gym, everything was like, I helped with the blueprint. I helped buy all the materials. I figured out all the licensing, all the BS that goes into all of that. Like it was a big learning experience. Um, a lot of work, uh, more money than I thought it was going to be insane uh-huh. amount of money. Um, but in the end, it's all worth it for me. You know, I'm happy with where we're at. I'm happy with where we're going. Um, and I've, I've never honestly like been happier than, than doing it like this. So, uh, mm we're in like the business is very new we're in this situation where we need to grow and like you know we need to keep things moving um i'm still happy with with, with where we're at so um it sounds like you're really enjoying the progress right you're really really enjoying it yeah man you gotta otherwise it's there's you know there's no point it's all about the, like enjoying mm-hmm. the whole process and just keep think keeping things moving you know like with jujitsu it's the same way you know if you focus on like the belt the belt the belt you stop mm-hmm lose love for it almost than just like enjoying the day to day. So yeah, yeah man, that's what, so yeah, we're, we're training nonstop. We got like three, three adult classes per day, kids classes. We're going to add another one. Um, yeah, man, we're just, uh, just trying to keep it moving, keep growing. Keep man, it, uh, spreading that the love. is, um, that's so inspirational, man. And like, um, just events played in your favor with the right decisions that you made, uh, it's a, that's a, that's a really, really cool story. Very unique story. I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one before, man. Uh, it's super, yeah, super cool. Um, tell me, um, when you were, when you were newer, 
what was your first competition like? How did you feel? A lot of a lot of you know new white belts are looking to compete. What should they? Yeah, what should they expect? What did you feel? You know, how was it like? Like I competed. I think I was like four months after I started training. I competed. Uh, it was the Minnesota Grappling Challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know if they're still alive. I, I don't even know if they still do tournaments. Maybe they do. Um, how did I feel? So yeah, for me, I was extremely nervous. Uh, I felt like I was going to throw up. Uh, before my first match, my heart was pounding. Um, even le leading up to it was worse. You know, the lead up, I feel like it was almost always worse. Every day I was, th the thing for me though, is every day I was thinking about it, every single day I was thinking about it. And I was thinking to myself, like, I was like positive thoughts, positive reaffirmations, like telling myself that I was going to win, telling myself that I'd been putting in more work than these other guys. Cause I felt like I was, I was training like six to I mean, even as a white belt, I was training a lot. I mm. started training six days a week, like almost right off the bat. So for me, obviously, if you put in the work, it's easier because you know that you put in the necessary amount of work to win. Mm. Um, if you put in the work, you're, it'll be even worse because you'll know deep down that you didn't put in a lot of work and it, that can almost psychologically make you lose. And you might not even deserve to win in that point. Mm -hmm. So... For me, um, I was extremely nervous, um, but again, what helps me is like breath exercises for one, and two, it's normal. Like the pre-competition anxiety, pre-competition nerves, it's a part of the uh, human experience. It's like mm. any army was going to go into war, you feel a feeling, they all felt a feeling in their stomach, this anxiety, like this, what's going to happen, this dread of the future. But it's, it's like your body preparing itself for what's about to happen. You know, so mm -hmm. it's like, I would just accept it, like accept that, okay, you're feeling like anxious, you're feeling this anxiety, but it's just your body's like response and it's your body getting ready for the experience that's about to happen. So like, I would try to be Zen, be calm, like empty my mind, like try to be as relaxed as possible. That being said, my first match, my first competition was total spaz fest, right? They messed <laughs> up the division. They put me in, in the 170 pound division and I was 135 pounds uh -huh. and it was a match. So it was like 40 year old, 170 pound, 40 year olds. It was really weird. Um, thankfully yeah. I ended up winning both my matches by triangle. Mm. Um, but yeah, so for me and two, I mean, honestly, I would always tell myself like, okay, there are those women. So, you know, like there's like a baby who gets caught underneath the car and a woman has like super strength and she like lifts the car up off. Of it. You know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That story. Yeah. Right. You hear that. So I would tell myself like, okay, I need to try to activate that like that like primal instinct of like super strength. You know what I mean? Mm. Almost try to like, for me at least, everyone's different. I would almost try to get my my brain in that like very primal area to where like you're, you have like superpowers. You know what I mean? That's what I would imagine at least. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my long-winded answer. And that's how my experience was for my first competition. Um, and honestly, the nerves get a little bit better, but there's still always those nerves. It's just, I feel like you get better at dealing with it as you get more experience. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about uh, that a little bit more, man. The inner game. It sounds like, you know, you've explored yourself um, like very much like your inner game and what's happening in the war, like war in your mind. How did you um, get to this point? It sounds like you're very aware now of like how you're thinking, how you're feeling, and uh, you're able to translate that so that you can make better decisions, right? And obviously it got you to the point where you are right now. So you have that awareness of knowing what, you know, what is right. Like, you know, you know, uh, when you're making a decision based only on feelings or based only on logic, 
how do you how did you get to that point did you read books what did you do um so i mean yeah maybe some books like i like i got into stoicism like marcus mm. stuff for a little while like that helped me um but honestly just the experience of life i feel like is the most like is the best teacher in the end um a lot of it for me honestly a lot of it was just like reality punching you in the face over and over and over and over and over again so it's like suffering like i suffered a lot i feel like to get to this point like a lot of heartbreak a lot of really hard work a lot of long hours with no reward a lot of like um a lot of beatdowns in the gym specifically just getting absolutely mauled in the gym uh I feel like a lot of those things they toughen they toughen your psyche up and going through like hard life experience, hard financial stress, uh hard relationship breakups coming coming back from those like I feel like a lot of these experiences they kind of compound themselves and you know as mm. like we're able to like you have to kind of go through those I feel like at a certain point to like kind of reach this next level um but honestly yeah for me it was just like being on my own for a long time uh and not having any help or any guidance and like having to seek and find this guidance and and random role like I had some role models kind of throughout my life different coaches and stuff like that that kind of helped me but honestly a lot of it was just like it's just being extremely honest with yourself mm-hmm. and where you want to mm-hmm. and 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 what's going on you know it's like you look at your life you look at your whatever your situation is your health situation your relationship your financial situation and you just being extremely realistic with myself and just like telling myself where i want to go and then like how do i get there and so for me it's just like constantly keeping this like level like some sort of level head and honestly it's the belief too in yourself you have to have some sort of like at least a little bit of a chip on your shoulder yeah or like belief to where you know that you can do it and you have to really believe that and like i don't know i feel like that's taken me a long way like i've always thought to myself like look i know what i'm capable of doing this if i put in the right amount of work so like for me that's kind of how how i ended up kind of getting there it was just like a lot of heartbreak a lot of trial and error a lot of putting myself out there to be like embarrassed putting myself a lot of failing obviously like failing at a lot of things learning from my mistakes and then just building 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 every day building 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 and then staying away from a lot of the uh vices you know that mm. I want staying away from alcohol staying away from drugs staying away from like the party scene mm. uh, a lot of you know everyone has their own you know people you can do your own thing i'm not judging at all but for mm. me personally just like i felt like i've just had to stay really focused on what my goals are and just continue to work towards those yeah um, yeah being real honest and real truthful uh to yourself is so important and not just in you know not just in jujitsu in like in life in general right uh just being able to embrace who you really are uh i was reading i'm reading this book it's uh by tim grover do you know that author I've heard the name but I don't know yeah. who he he uh wrote the book Relentless and he talked of, uh, and he wrote the book uh Winning. Uh so he was the coach for uh Michael jo- he was uh the trainer for uh Michael Jordan and uh Kobe Bryant and all these uh and all these like elite athlete athletes. And uh he talks something that uh, talks about something that you described just right now and it's just embracing your reality, embracing, you know, your truth and compounding everything uh like all of your like life experiences and everything that you've gone through and he calls it the dark side 
right? So you're, it sounds like you're able to really tap into, you know, your dark side and you're able to use that not as a, you know, to pity yourself, but something to really elevate yourself because a, a lot of people, what they do is they use, you know, the dark side that talks in their head, um, you know, the thing that wakes you up like in the middle of the night as the reason why they don't do things. But it sounds like that's, you made that the reason to, to do things. And it goes uh, beyond to like a darker side of it where it becomes, you know, um, now you're able to be responsible for yourself, but you're motivated to inspire others now as well, because you just know this potential within you that where you're able to, you know, communicate, uh, communicate to uh, others and really inspire them to uh, be their uh, better selves. So, man, I'm seeing like those traits in you, those character traits in you. And it's very, it's very exciting that you opened up a gym. (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate that. No, I couldn't agree more, honestly. Like, I, I feel the same way. Like, when I was competing and coming up, so, like, I had, like, uh, for lack of better words, daddy issues, right? Uh-huh. Like, I that meant towards my dad for a while. Uh-huh. Um, and I would, uh, like, obviously, you can use these things in life to fuel random things. Like, you can use it to fuel a drug addiction, alcoholism. Mm. It, not to say that all of these things are a choice, right? Obviously, there's some people have things wrong with, the, wrong with their brain, but you can use a lot of these things in life as either fuel for something good or fuel for something bad, exactly how you were just saying. And so mm-hmm. I would, for me, like, I would, I remember I would always think before competitions, I'd be thinking about my dad. I'd be mm-hmm. thinking about time. I'd be like, all right, like, I don't want to curse, but I'd be like, there's this thing of proving somebody wrong, right? Yeah. It's like, you always want to prove... And then eventually it evolved, though, kind of like you're saying to now I have a school. Now I have like these kids around me. I'm representing something else. So now it's like I want to do things to like exactly what you said, to inspire other people, inspire Mm. my students, inspire the kids and show them that like, look, you actually can do things like you actually can. Like if you set your if you set your brain, you set your goal, if you set your mind to a goal and you actually work towards it, you actually can achieve it. But it's not easy. You know what I mean? It's like working every single day for many, many years straight. But it's like, uh, yeah, I agree with exactly what you're saying, man. It's just like, it, it, it goes from using that fuel, that resentment, that like, what could be self-pity as motivation. And then eventually you, it builds you into a new person. And then once you're this new person, like you can, exactly what you said, help, try to inspire others, try to help other mm-hmm. people um, learn yeah. these lessons. Right. And a lot of yeah. times it's hard to tell people. You can tell people all you want, but you know, at the end of the day, a lot of times people have to experience it themselves. Yeah, so you have to exactly. Um, and then keep things into perspective if you can. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. You can't really ever teach somebody, right? Like you can only inspire them to do things. Right. right is what it is. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. It sounds like you really embrace that uh, dark side. Uh, for example, Kobe Bryant had like a dark side. And that was, uh, and his dark side was so big, it needed a different name. It, uh, he called it the, you know, uh, the black mamba. If you, if you follow oh, basketball, right? Yeah, so right. that's the chip on the, sh- that's the chip on the shoulder that you use as fuel, and it's like nuclear fuel. You don't know where it's coming from, right? But it's, right. um, well, you do know where it's coming from. It's from the ch- chip on your shoulder, and yep. it just fuels you to do um, something even greater and greater, and just prove something. And um, you know, a lot of people. Um, see that as um you know it's see don't see that in the same light that's why they call it the dark side uh they don't see that in the um, same light uh so they never embrace it right but people it sounds like uh-huh press it like suppress 
that uh-huh. aspect of it. That might be just as detrimental. Like you need to embrace it and like let it, you should want to prove something kind of in the end, like as a man or as anyone, any human, like you should want to achieve things, right? You should mm-hmm. set a big want to achieve something big. And, and to do that, like you need this, like that thing to push you. And if you suppress it, like, oh no, you know, you're just going to be like lazy or you're going to be mm-hmm. non-competitive for that. Like, that's fine, uh, honestly, but I mean, we should always be pushing for more. You know how it is. Always be pushing for, maybe not pushing for greatness, but trying to achieve these higher levels. Yeah, mm-hmm. Physically, financially, whatever it might be, you know. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, exactly. And it's part of your authentic self, right? You can't really be honest with yourself until you embrace that dark side of yourself, right? 100%. Yeah, yep. exactly, man. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Um, there's a crazy st- uh, statistic. So 90% of uh, new white belts never even make it to a uh, blue belt. What do you think is the reason for that? Uh, the reason for that is they realize Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a lot harder uh, than they expect it to be. And they realize it takes a lot more dedication to get to blue belt than they expect as well. So to get to, especially nowadays, I feel like the standard, some people are saying the standard is lowering because, you know, you have some schools that give out belts really, really fast. And I, I do see that point of view, but I actually feel like the standard is, is going up as far as competition goes. You see some of these blue belts nowadays. I mean, you had a blue belt just win the ADCC trials, J-Rod. Mm-hmm. He's been training for a year and a half and he was beating mm-hmm. black. So I feel like the standard one, the standard blue belt is going up. Uh, but regardless of that, I think a lot of people don't realize that learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's like learning a new language. Um, mm. It's going to require a certain amount of commitment on your part to really understand it. And if you don't give it that, then you might not see the benefits uh, that somebody else who does do that. Um, so I would say, one, it, take, it takes longer than people expect. So a lot Blue Belt, you know, on average, I'd say maybe two to three years with consistent mm depending on who your coach is, depending on, you know, how often you're training, you could get it faster. If you train more, a little bit slower, if you train less, um, also depends on your age, you know, there's obviously there's all those factors, how old you are, how, you know, what your goals are, all that type of stuff. So I would say the reason 90% of white belts, uh, never make it to blue belt is they, they don't realize the commitment. They don't realize they don't give it enough effort and they don't make it a habit or a lifestyle change. Um, mm. it kind of, when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it almost has to be like a lifestyle change at a certain point. Uh, I mean, anything that you start doing like three, four times a week is kind of like a lifestyle change. But mm-hmm. I would say that's probably the biggest the biggest reason people don't really realize how big of a commitment it is. Uh, they feel like they learn, they learn a few things here and there. I think another thing, too, is people will drill moves successfully, but then they have a lot of trouble applying them in sparring or mm-hmm. when you're... So then they start to think like, not that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu doesn't work, but that it's like, they just can't get any of the moves to work. And I've had this with my students as well. I've had like, you know, I'll, we'll be drilling moves and then it's like, oh, I can't get them to work. Like they never work when I'm sparring. Mm-hmm. And obviously you can show them all these little details and you can give them this and that. But at the yeah. end of the day, I tell people, it's like, you have to level your skills up. So it's like, yeah, you might know the mountain escape right? But you haven't done enough reps to level it up to the point mm-hmm. where you can successfully on people who are good. 
versus me. I've repped it so many times. I've been in the situation so many times so I can actually make it work. Like I've leveled my skill up. You know, it's like I always tell people uh, jujitsu is almost like a video game or like an RPG. Like you <laughs> learn these moves, you have to put stat points into them. And the way that you put stat points into these moves is by training them and drilling them a bunch and trying them mm. over and over and over and failing at it. And if you're not willing to go through that process, I think another thing too is people, people's ego gets really bruised at mm. white belt, mm-hmm. the getting beat, getting beat over and over and over, failing over and over and over, submitting over and over and over until you get your blue belt. Right. Um, it requires a certain type of person to endure that, like that process. Uh, so I think, yeah, there's a certain amount of people that just come in the gym thinking that it's not going to be as hard as it is. And then they're yeah. not willing to the failure that it takes to get to the next level. So, yeah. And it's not even about like athleticism or anything like that. Right. Because I've seen uh, people who are just like, you know, athletically gifted that quit at white belt. Yeah. Th- uh, those mm. guys almost quit more at mm. white belt who are the opposite. Um, yeah, it has nothing to do, nothing to do with athleticism or, uh, I mean, I've seen crazy D one level gymnast athletic freaks who had insane potential at jujitsu, like could have been like so good, like got their black belt very quickly, just like very, very gifted people that end up quitting a white belt for whatever reason. And it's the same thing. They're just not willing to go through mm. the grind really. Jiu-jitsu is a grind at the end of the day. Um, you're either, you can either get through it or you can't. And, uh, yeah, regardless of what size you are, what, how flexible you are, how athletic you are, everyone starts at a different starting point, but we all go through the same process. You know, you can't get around it. If you're yeah. injured, enough, we all go through the same. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. within that, within that process, the next belt people quit at is uh, blue. So a lot of people experience uh, blue belt blues. Uh, tell us, tell us about, uh, about your experience at blue belt. So my blue belt experience, I was competing pretty much nonstop at mm. blue belt. Um, I thankfully, I actually didn't really get the blue belt blues all that mm. much. So dedicated to competing. I was competing all the time, trying to get better. I was rolling with upper belts. Um, I say my, my transition from blue belt to purple belt, I, I felt like it felt pretty good, like pretty smooth. Like I was on a, on a good ride up, but mm-hmm. that was me being extremely dedicated, always trying to learn new moves, always trying to add more to my game. I was watching uh, like competition footage nonstop, studying, yeah. all the, the, studying all the best guys, figuring out like, what do I need to do to get to that level? Um, mm. So for me, I, I felt like my blue belt experience was pretty good. Um, I, I was a blue belt for about three years, I think, before I got my purple belt. Um, but that was nonstop training, nonstop mm. competing. My blue belt was like all torn up. And all like, <laughs> by the time I was, I got promoted, excuse me. So yeah. um, for me, for me, a personal experience, blue belt was good, but I, I see why. The, the blue belt blues happens that leap from blue belt to purple belt. Sorry, I'm plugging in my phone because I'm getting low battery. Yeah. Um, that from blue belt to purple belt is a big leap uh, as far as t- uh, like technically goes. Um, yeah. My instructor, John, he, his saying was a purple belt knows as much as a black belt knows, but um. a black execute better. So that was his standard. So by the time he got you to purple belt, you should know about, 
you should have about the knowledge of a black belt as far as grappling goes, but maybe you just can't execute it. You can't like, uh, you can't do all the moves to people who are good. So to make that jump from blue to purple, I feel like uh, it requires a certain, uh, a deeper dive into jujitsu. Um, you have to really get, you have to really, um, let's see, you have to really start exploring the, so for example, you, you do, you do move to somebody, you try and move on somebody. They only have a certain amount of reactions, right? Uh -huh. a certain, a certain amount of logical things that they can do. So from blue belt to purple belt, you have to start to understand what are the logical things that the guy can do from any given position, any given thing that you do to a guy. Let's say you're going for a knee slice. There's only so many things you can frame. You can put the knee shield in, um, or you can circle the lasso. Mm -hmm. So if I want to get good at knee slice, I have to one, get good at the knee slice, and then two, get good at all three of the major reactions. I need a response to those. And mm -hmm. then from those reactions, there's another response that the guy can do that I should be aware of. And so from blue to purple belt, it's like you have to identify what the, re so one, you start to build your own game. Uh, you start to have your own style, your moves that you like. Once you find the moves that you like in, the, in your own game, you start recognizing what the reactions are to your main moves. And then you start mm. to find out what's the counter to that reaction. So mm. then you find all the logical reactions to all your main moves. And then you have to take it a step or two deeper than that as you progress. So I feel like that's kind of the part that a lot of people, uh, they struggle with because it can be really difficult to problem solve. Like you have mm -hmm. to really down. Like, for example, I'm in the open guard. I go for a leg drag. The guy almost always is going to circle his opposite leg over. So we get, yeah. we do where you, you do the leg drag, the guy circles the leg, and then we windshield wiper to the other mm -hmm. side. And so you, you have to just kind of break down your jujitsu like that. I go for a move. The guy does the number one defense. Instant, my instant reaction is to do the counter. And then you slowly start building those connections in your brain to where as they happen in real time, your body's automatically doing the proper reaction. And then mm -hmm. you can slowly get through the guy's guard. And then it extends to open guard or, you know, it extends to every position, really. Um, there's only so many logical things the other guy can do. You practice what you practice the reaction to those logical things. And then it opens up a whole new set of actions. And then you practice those and it keeps kind of getting deeper than that. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people it's, it can be really easy to quit because it's like, I know blue belts that they know a lot of moves. They know a lot of jujitsu moves. They could yeah. show you all these different moves, but they just can't put it all together and make it all mm. flow. Work. And like, and that's kind of what they're missing. They're missing one, the connection so there's a connection between all different moves. Like for, like, I, I know I'm giving a long-winded answer here, but like, for example, there's a connection between De La Hiva, Spider, Spider yeah. Last, right? They're all very close. And you need to learn how to flow and transition between these different guards if you want your open guard to be good, right? Um, there's like a connection between Butterfly Guard, um, uh, Single Leg X, and X Guard, right? That you need to learn. You need to learn the connection there and figure out how these, all these moves flow together and so it's like, you need to connect your jujitsu to make it flow. And then you need to also get good at learning what the reactions are to all of yeah. your favorite that you hit and then learning how to capitalize on that. And then once you start going down that road, it, more things will start to open up because that's where your head will kind of be. And then uh -huh. that's where that brown belt, black belt level, the guys who are really good, that's where they get to. It's like they have all of their moves and they know what the defenses are and they know what the defense to the defense is. Uh -huh. And so they're able funnel people into their 
their little niche of jujitsu and make them play there. Right. And then as you get better, you, knowledge expands and whatnot. So, um, yeah, long winded answer. I think that's kind of why people get stuck at blue belt because it requires a little bit deeper, uh, like exploration of grappling, either that, or you're just a physical athletic freak, which also uh-huh. happens to so strong, so explosive. It doesn't matter. Like they can just like, thrash through people's guards and stuff like especially uh-huh. no um it's a little bit harder in the gi i feel like to get away with but mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of the next level that i think a lot of like blue belts should be focusing on is like all of the reactions and then what to do off the reactions from their favorite moves so. i see i see wow yeah that was um that was a great answer very in-depth i've uh, yeah i've learned a lot from that answer uh, that you just um gave and uh, it's making me reflect now on like what I should be really focusing on when I um when I'm rolling myself but yeah man uh, yeah yeah like awesome. for example if you roll with somebody who's really good you'll notice that they they never stop pr- progressing so if you watch like lower belts roll you'll notice there's a lot of like dead time like dead air like nothing's really happening the position's kind of like stagnant there's no mm-hmm. progress made by either person but then you roll with like somebody who's a good black belt good brown belt you'll notice that they're always kind of like sliding through the cracks like whether Mm. it be the guard or getting an advantage on you they're always making incremental progress throughout every position so no matter what's happening they're passing the guard they're making incremental progress to get through but let's say they're going for a sweep or they're they're playing off their back they're making incremental progress to get back to a good position um versus like as the lower belts there's like a lot of pausing it's like they'll get to like a certain position and they'll pause, new position, pause, mm-hmm. or they'll technique for technique, technique for technique kind of um, versus just like a, a slow, like kind of progression or grind through. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Man, super interesting. So uh, next, um, next question here. A lot of people are now thinking, oh, you know, maybe I can do jujitsu, things like that. Um, I think I, I already know your answer to this, but do you think anybody can do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Oh, always, man. Yeah, anybody can do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's the greatest thing that you learn. Like when you're, uh, when I started in Jiu-Jitsu, you see it all. Honestly, one of my instructors that I talked about earlier, I don't want to point out names, but mm. he way. Um, if you see, like, I think it's this, there's a legendary picture of one of my instructors. It's like senior year of high school or something. It is the goofiest, dorkiest looking picture. He's like overweight, looks like a total dork. Like uh-huh. everyone's him for it. But now like jujitsu has literally changed his life. He's like a certified like bad dude now. Like you don't want to uh-huh. mess with this. Um, so the transformations that I've seen in jujitsu and what's possible is, is literally mind blowing. I've seen kids go from like being shy, not kids, full grown adults going from like shy, unsure of themselves to like very confident, like very capable human beings. Um, Men, women, you know, children, teens. um, I'd say everyone can benefit from jujitsu in some capacity. Not everyone's gonna start out at the same starting point. Obviously a 19 year old isn't gonna start at the same point as a 40 year old, right? Mm -hmm. Different goals, life experiences. That being said, everybody can gain something from it and uh, everybody can benefit from it for sure. Um, the main things that I've seen are one, everybody loses weight and loses body fat, which is big. Uh, everybody who does jujitsu for a good amount of time, uh, self-confidence goes up. 
um, and just their overall awareness. Uh, I always mm. say it's like a dinner table analogy. Like sometimes you can be, you're at a dinner table and there's all these people around that are like of high status, mm. right? Be embarrassed to speak or like, you might not think you have anything like, you know what I mean? You're intimidated in some way. I feel like jujitsu yeah. does help you in those situations to be less intimidated by other people, whether it be status, whether it be physicality, anything like that. It just helps you carry yourself at a little bit um, like higher frequency. Mm -hmm. um, so say jujitsu is definitely for everybody. Uh, everybody can gain from it. You can, you can get in shape. Uh, you can gain confidence. Um, you can lose weight. Uh, you can learn, obviously, self-defense skills, how to handle yourself in current physicals or in any type of physical situation, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't really say enough good things about it. It's changed my uh -huh. life. It really made me a different person. So. Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. Couldn't agree more. So um, tell me, what, what would be your advice to someone who's just thinking about doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? They drive up near your, you know, near your gym. They're like looking at your gym, thinking about it. What's your, what's your advice? Because some people are listening in. Uh, my advice would be uh, come inside, uh, uh, fill out the waiver, or sign up for the trial. <laughs> um, I would say just get in. Honestly, you got to just get in there. Uh, just get in there, get on the mats, um, especially if it comes to not every gym is the same. Um, but when it comes to my gym, everybody's super friendly. Everybody's very welcoming. Everybody's super cool as far. Nobody's trying to hurt each other. Uh, we're all just here for the pursuit of like learning good jujitsu, right? Mm -hmm. um, that being said, we do train hard. Uh, we roll a lot. Uh, we definitely make sure to to get good training in. We're not a McDojo. Um, so if that's what you're looking for, uh, mm. maybe we go. <laughs> but uh, that being said, no, we do a lot of good training here. Um, the best way to get involved is to just step on the mats. You know, um, there's no other way around it. You can, you can, everybody says, oh, I'm going to get in shape first. And it's like, no, just use jujitsu to get in shape. Like get mm. in here, shape on the mats because Jiu-jitsu is fun. The, the good thing about jiu-jitsu is you get a really good workout in and it's fun while you're doing it. It's mentally stimulated, stimulating and physically engaging. So yeah, I would say uh, get on the mats as soon as possible uh, and just start, just start your journey as soon as you possibly can. Um, and then uh, make, be consistent. The biggest thing is making it a habit and, and making a consistent schedule out of it. So whatever you can commit to two, three days a week, just tell yourself, like make a goal. Like, all right, I'm going to, Train three days a week for this, you know, the next six months, whatever goal, three months, whatever you can like uh, envision for yourself and then just make it happen. And then once you get in there, you start learning the movements, you start figuring out like how it all works. Um, most people, they just get addicted and then they just start training for life. Honestly, mm -hmm. I know a lot. We just talked about a lot of blue belts quitting and white belts quitting. But I mean, once you really start to understand jujitsu, it's easy to fall in love with mm -hmm. like the movements, the culture. Um, and just all the different techniques. It's just a lot of fun. And when it comes to working out, there's no, there's no better workout, honestly, like lifting weights is cool. Like powerlifting, uh, Olympic lifting, all that stuff is great. CrossFit. It's all great. Really good workout. But when it comes to just fun, uh, mm. jujitsu, jiu jitsu, as far as like, uh, a fun workout, a hard workout, that's also a lot of fun. So, yeah, man, I can't agree more. Cannot agree more. So yeah, if you're thinking about doing jujitsu, just step on those mats and just see what happens. Like, yep. Yeah. Step on know. the mat. Uh, it'll be all right. Uh, you'll be yeah. good. Um, yeah. everyone, everyone's looking out for each other in the end. Uh, yeah. when it comes to, it's like safety and, and it's almost any gym you go to, usually safety is like the number one priority, right? You yeah, want people yeah. to train like longevity. It's all about longevity. So yeah. Yeah. 
And what surprised me the most was actually the community because I was just thinking, you know, a lot of people are going to have like, egos and things like this because martial arts when I first started. Um, but no, like these people are like the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, usually uh, jiu-jitsu people, martial arts, MMA fighters, most of the time they're pretty humble. Of course, you have your people, you have random gyms that are different, you know, that might have a, I, I call it the tough guy attitude. Some gyms you go to, they have like a real tough guy, macho man attitude, which is fine. It's normal. Um, I, I would say our gym's not really like that. Our gym is a little bit more uh, like communally driven, like we're more like family oriented. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, uh, the jiu-jitsu culture, the, the jiu-jitsu lifestyle, it's, it's a lot of fun to get involved in. And one thing that one of my old coaches used to say is uh, you, you get the jiu-jitsu passport. Mm. So that is, is no matter where <laughs> you go, where in the world, uh, you go to the local jiu-jitsu gym, friends, you'll have like yeah. a couch fun and you'll, you might be able to, you know what I mean? Like you already have a community, like yeah. a separate community anywhere in the world. So yeah, yeah. get involved. That's right, man. That's right. That is so true. Yeah. Uh, you get into this like huge community of people that just, you know, that right away when um, you guys, um, you know, figure out that both of you uh, do jujitsu, you're like, oh, cool. We're instantly friends, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. You put your shirt on and yeah, you like instantly start to talk to yeah. them. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a fun time. So uh, what was your most memorable moment so far since practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Most memorable moment. Um, so my most memorable moment would probably be most memorable would be. So opening up this gym was a bit, very memorable, big milestone for me. Uh, huge, huge moment for my Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I'd say that was one of the most memorable. Uh, my other most memorable memory memory was when I was a blue belt. Mm -hmm. um, it very first time competing at Pan Am's, uh, the, mm. the, the, I think there was like 90 people in my bracket. I'm pretty sure I had six matches, five or six matches. Um, I made it to the finals. I, I had a really, really good run there. Um, I wasn't sure how I was going to do. I had just competed at the Chicago open, thankfully in one, um, mm. it was my first tournament and, uh, yeah, everything was just feeling good. I don't know. Like this, I felt like the stars kind of aligned that day, mm. like everything perfect um my my weight was on point i was feeling good i was in good spirits i didn't i was anxious but i was like a healthy anxious like i wasn't mm -hmm. like it wasn't over the top and all of my matches just like straight to the point um and i did really well i made it to the finals and uh, i went against this kid his name was uh, damien balderrama uh, uh -huh. he's he's a black belt now and uh he's doing really well he's out in mexico i think like competing out in mexico like uh, he seems to be doing doing well and being successful out there. But uh, he's a Andre Galvao student, and so I remember uh -huh. Matt. And to me, like I hadn't seen any of the big names yet. I hadn't been in the community for very long, like not in mm -hmm. the world level scene. And then I saw Andre coaching him opposite of me, and so it was mm -hmm. like our <laughs> Andre Galvao's guy. Um, so we had a really crazy match. It was like a really tough match, back and forth, back and forth. He ended up beating me. Um, either by two points or an advantage, I can't, I'd have to go look, but it was mm. a minimal. It was like two, let's say it's two points. Uh, he beat me by two points and ended up winning, uh, which that was unfortunate to lose. Um, but mm. at the same time, I was, I was proud that I ended up getting second place, uh, first major tournament in the adult division. It was extremely competitive still, even at Bluebell adult Pan Am's is very, very competitive. So like 
Yeah, I was really, really happy uh, with how I did. And I'd say that was a really big memorable moment for me because it opened my eyes because I, I really felt at that time that like, okay, I can hang with these guys. Mm, like, because, okay. mm-hmm. like, you know, I was scared. Like, oh, what if I just get smoked? Like the second round, you know what I mean? Because at that point, and still like jujitsu is my life, but at that point competing was all I was focused on. So yeah. it's like, I really needed to prove to myself that I could contend, you know, at the top level of my belt which was like Pan Am's worlds. Um, so I would say that was really, really memorable just because it really was a big confidence booster for me um, as far as like where my jujitsu was at um, and where it was headed. So uh, I'd say that was probably my most memorable competition experience. Um, Labr- opening up Labyrinth was my most memorable, like kind of like business experience. Mm-hmm. And then other than that, um, let's see here. You know, we've had, I've had some fun, like super fights and stuff like that in jujitsu. Uh-huh. Honestly, some of my most memorable and favorite moments are when we had our old room at the university. There was a point in time at the university of Iowa where nobody had opened their own gym yet. Mm-hmm. So John was there, Matt was there, like this other guy, Eldon was there, Brian Peterson, Jace Vevra, like the list goes on and on. Justin, like there's all these like really really good guys there brown belts purple belts blue belts all very competitive in the adult division train really really hard so there was a point in time where that room it was like savage like it was Mm. every day training like you were gonna like bust your butt hard like it was extremely competitive and nobody was giving up anything on each other Mm -hmm. you know very um so I'd say that was probably my most memorable uh, time. And it was like the most grindy and the most suffering uh-huh. training set. You know, you look back at those and you almost miss them. You're like, man, you wish you could almost go back and like, uh-huh. so now I'm trying to build it here, like build yeah. that environment. Um, but, you know, it's not easy, but yeah, I'd say that between that labyrinth and then uh, Pan Am's as a blue belt, those are probably my most memorable moments. Man, that is so awesome. And, um, I can see just the brightest future for your gym, like uh, the work ethic that you put in and yeah, the character that you are, man, uh, you're, you, you have so much potential for just greatness, man. And I can't, I can't wait to see what's in store, brother. I can keep talking, uh, talking to you about, uh, jujitsu for the, for the whole day, but I got yeah. one last question. Uh, okay. what is your advice to new white belts, new white belts stepping on the mats? So my advice to new white belts would be, uh, Keep your, stay open to learning as much as you possibly can. Um, keep your intensity level lower than you think. Um, so what I like to try to tell people is really focus on the movements and the mechanics of the moves. If you can focus on that and start to learn to understand that, your jiu-jitsu will become better a lot faster. Uh, versus like just spazzing out, going as hard as you can, throwing things side to side. You can get better doing that. Just training endlessly, training really hard like that. I mean, I've seen it before, but you'll get better a lot faster if you really focus on the mechanics of each movement. All right. So it's like, for example, when you do a scissor sweep, if you do a scissor sweep perfectly, it's like the guy's floating almost. Mm-hmm. You don't do it very hard. It's like, boop. you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of like in judo where it's almost uh, hip throws in judo where you really feel the mechanic where it's basically effortless. The technique happens on its own almost. You want to get to the, you want to try to focus on that aspect of the game, like really the art side of the sport. Um, mm-hmm. And then, then I would say then slowly add your physical attributes onto that, your strength, your explosiveness, your athleticism, all that other things. But I would say focus on being um, 
as technical as you possibly can be. And the, the other piece of advice would be is to be consistent. There's no way to get a jujitsu unless you're consistent. So you have to try and make it a habit to come like two, three, four days a week, whatever your schedule allows, whatever your schedule allows you, honestly. But like I said before, jujitsu is like learning language. So you have to give it the proper amount of time to actually learn. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, come once a week, you'll get better. It's just going to take a lot longer. So mm -hmm. I would say stay consistent, keep your mind opening to learning, um, to learning the mechanics of each technique. And then I would also focus on like some real basic concepts of like, always keep your elbows in tight, like little things like that, like when it comes to technique specific. But when it comes to mindset, I would say uh, the most important thing is to control your intensity and uh, focus on the mechanics of each move and um, keep an open mind and uh, try to leave your ego at the door if you can. Mm -hmm. Hard for a lot of men to, to do that. Sometimes you've got to just get it beaten out of you. I mean, it's normal, but in the end, you should look at jujitsu like it's a, like it really is like a sport or a game. Like you don't go onto a soccer field having never played soccer and expect to just beat everybody, right? They're going to mm -hmm. meg you, step over. They're going to like do some footwork on you and you're going to be expecting that. But for some reason, some people have this weird expectation when it comes to grappling, like that they're just going to suddenly be like this amazing thing, which some mm. people are, but in the end, it's just, it really comes down to just staying humble as humble as you can. Um, and then, yeah, like I said before, really learning the mechanics of each movement. That's really what helped me. It's like focusing on the real jujitsu, like where you're barely using any effort or energy and the guy does like things happen perfectly. You know, there's certain, yeah. sweet, certain throws, you know how it is certain techniques where you, let's say a triangle, for example, you get the triangle on someone, you cut the angle, you get everything in the perfect spot. You barely have to squeeze to get them to tap versus floppy mm -hmm. triangle. I could squeeze as hard as I possibly can and burn my legs out and nothing happens. You know, mm -hmm. you'll get better a lot faster. If you focus on the details, focus on the mechanics and focus on what actually makes things work rather than just muscling and, and brute forcing your way through, uh, through your journey. So, um, that's, that, that would be my advice. Awesome. All right. Okay, Coach Tony, thank you for cool. coming in. All right, guys. Yeah, awesome so, conversation. Yeah, so that wraps up podcast number five. If you enjoyed this podcast and inspired you to keep training or start training, make sure you like, subscribe, so that you don't miss out on more stories of individuals who do jujitsu. And actually, one more thing. Uh, Coach Tony, tell like where, where's, your, where's your gym? Invite, invite some uh, people to come in. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Anyone's welcome. Anyone who's listening to this is welcome to come train. Uh, I'll roll with you. Don't worry. I roll with all the visitors. I always train with everybody. Uh, I'm not a stickler like that. Uh, it's Labyrinth Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, we're out in Fullshire, Texas. Uh, it's a, a Houston suburb, uh, kind of close to Sugarland. So yeah, if you guys are ever in the area, the Houston area, check out Labyrinth Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Labyrinth BJJ. Um, our website is labyrinth.vision. Social media is Labyrinth BJJ Fullshire. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, all that stuff. So yeah, if you guys are ever in the Houston area, definitely come by and train. I'm, I'm super welcoming to visitors. Um, yeah, we'll get on the mats and we'll get some rolling in. So yeah. Awesome. I'll put all of that in the description below. So guys, yeah, make sure, uh, make sure you um, go and come and visit the gym. It's going to be super fun. And yeah, we will see you on the mats. Awesome. Thanks. Good. See you later.